every time you're buying something, like you're getting that kind of remind that physical reminder of supporting black owned businesses and supporting the community and, and putting money where your values are. Welcome to the Small Talk podcast brought to you by Small World, the agency that builds scale up brands. I'm Dan. I'm Harvey. Welcome to Small Talk, Kalia. Lovely to have you here. I guess we always like to start by asking guests to have a short history of how they ended up at the business that they're at now. Um, and I know yours in particular is quite an inspiring, but also an interesting story. And yeah, particularly if you could you could uh, touch on uh, who you were inspired by, I suppose, and what experience you were inspired by, that'd be great. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited. No pressure on the interesting and inspiring <laughs> story that I now need to tell. I'm going to have to embellish some details. But I started Jammy back in... In August 2016. So Jammy is a marketplace and platform for black owned businesses in the UK. So I don't have any history with kind of starting businesses. I'm a first time founder, but I was always pretty interested in social change, um, in understanding what I could do to make a difference. And at first I thought that was politics. So I went to uni, I studied PPE because that's what all the good politicians do. And then I realised very quickly, no, actually, I do not want to get into politics. Like it was just not something which interested me on that level. But it was when I was there, I started to realise that there's this concept of like social enterprise and how you can use business to bring about uh, social change and have a positive impact. And around the same time, there was the first wave of the Black Lives Matter movement. And so myself and a lot of people really started thinking, okay, what can we do as individuals to change the state of play in, in the world? And a lot of people, very similar to what happened in the summer of 2020, thought I can support community owned businesses. That's what I can do. I can put my money where my values are and and hopefully empower businesses and people. However, that's a lot easier said than done, first of all. Um, and second of all, those types of thoughts are often inspired by negative headlines, traumatic images, which just means that it's not a very sustainable it's just not very sustainable. People will encourage a surge spending rather than repeated spending, which is what brings about kind of real growth, real change. So myself and one of Jamie's co-founders just thought of this concept of like, well, what if we did like a discount card? Because we had like a taste card at the time, which is like two for one on restaurants. And, and the idea just being like, oh, every time you have something to buy, thinking, oh, why don't I see if I can get this from a black owned business? And the reason why it worked for the business is because, you know, for them, it was just like cost of marketing, it encouraged people to try a business they might not have heard of. And crucially, it also encouraged people just to go a little bit out of their way to try these businesses as well, because, you know, any small business like can't compete with like the convenience of like the giants in this country. And so there's always going to be more friction in the process. So we were just a bit like, well, if we give a discount, we will be positively incentivizing people to do something that they were kind of already interested in doing in any way. So we started off as a discount card. And then as time went on, we evolved. We introduced an online marketplace to take more friction out of the buying process. We started doing pop-up shops. We started doing real life marketplaces. And then we started working on bigger uh, brand collaborations um, to kind of do initiatives which support everything that we do already. So things like uh, we did a short film with Pinterest. We did um, an out of home, a free out of home advertising uh, competition with Clear Channel. And Small World. Um, and yeah, and Small World. <laughs> and um, 
and we've been doing pop-up shops that have been supported by some um, really big guys as well. So that's like the Whistle Stop Tour. I hope everyone's been interested and inspired. Brilliant. I mean, Carly's pretty much given you the the short uh, short answer to everything <laughs> that we're going to talk about today. She's kind of hit all of the talking points, which is great. But I wanted to sort of start at the at the beginning. When, you know, when we were originally looking to issue, when we created the first campaign of you, and then also when I was, you know, going over some of the questions for today, I think one of the things that is really baffling and, and also in stark conscious that there are, with with not just not just with, um, for instance, things like Black Lives Matter or or, or um, conversations around um, ethical buying, but with any issue, sustainability, whatever, any big social issue, it does seem that we have a tendency to, like you said, surge spend around these issues or have particular days or months allocated to these issues, whether it's like Earth Day or Black History Month, etc. Um, and that is detrimental to the cause. And I think it doesn't match up, for instance, with um, if you look at VC spending, for instance, a small fraction of the money, I think it quadrupled in the last year, but even then a small fraction of the money, for instance, goes to black founders and entrepreneurs. Um, so one of the things that I think Jammy is, is, is brilliant for is like you said, changing consumer spending habits so that it's not a daily thing, but it's an always on thing. Right. And if, if venture capital isn't going to back these businesses, for instance, the number one way for businesses to grow is actually to build a profitable business. Right. I wonder if you could just chat a little bit about that and, and how, you see Jammy as a as a direct uh, challenge to this this idea that you know social issues or, or buying ethically should be a kind of a surge thing and not an always on thing. Yeah. So when we started, it was very much about how can we create habits. So we had this concept, but obviously the first thing you need to do is start business market research. And so I wanted to speak to businesses to understand like is is this even worthwhile pursuing because obviously I was fresh out of uni at the time and just okay I had a dream but like that doesn't actually mean that the the solution fits the problem and almost everyone I spoke to basically was saying like you said like access to funding access to startup um startup capital um or just any capital that was needed to grow was just it was not forthcoming not from VCs not from banks like not from lenders and that's for a variety of, of reasons which meant that they were just reliant on sales, on customer funded growth. But the thing about that is that how do you find customers without that initial that initial investment? And so that was why we kind of were like, okay, we'll work on kind of incentivizing customers to find the businesses in a way. But you're right, like when it comes to things like Black History Month, which we're about to roll into, like it's always a really busy time for for us, for for many kind of uh, black-owned businesses. And I'm sure, for instance, like women, female founders find March a really busy month as well because there's, there's always something going on. Prior to the pandemic, it, there was a huge amount of, it was very tokenistic. It was very much like that's where all the activity resided. It was, it was within the month of October. People would call us up on the 30th of September and say, hi, can you come and do something for us next week or, or something? We don't have any budget and we just kind of, we just want to, uh, what's the word, um, perform basically. We just want to perform some sort of support uh, for the black community because people will be upset if we don't post something on Instagram yeah. or something like yeah. that. And I mean, we just, at the, at the time it was that like you just have to take what you can get. And so it was obviously not the best experience, but you do have to take what you can get. But post um, 2020, there has been a shift. I don't want to say Oh, things have changed, but there has been a shift and I've seen a lot more organizations start to move their activations and their initiatives outside of Black History Month, which is great because going back to your original point about, you know, how to move people out of surge spending, it takes 
key opinion leaders. It takes decision makers and people in in positions of influence to encourage people to do those things, to create, to, to, to change the narrative. Because when you start seeing a big organisation or you start seeing an influential person talking about supporting black owned businesses on, I don't know, the 14th of April, then all of a sudden people, it, it, it changes, it changes the way people think about, about doing these things. And I've always been a big proponent of getting people, like getting people who people follow to lead in yeah. that way. Yeah. Yes. And I guess that kind of leads nicely onto one of the other things I wanted to talk about, which was, you know, you've partnered with a lot of amazing organizations from sort of Barclays to Pinterest, etc. And I was actually listening to Free Shots of Tequila of, of all podcasts, which is one of my favorite podcasts. Shout out to the Free Shots boys. But they were having a big debate around um, representation and when people confuse token, is, token gestures with representation. Um, and in particular, they were using the example of Hayley Bailey um, being cast as the Little Mermaid, for instance. And uh, some of the guys were saying, oh, it's like a token gesture. I don't believe that that's true. And then some of the other guys were like, no, actually, the way that they're doing it is is representation we need to start seeing businesses organizations roles in films everything being being sort of represented by you know black leaders black voices but also allies to that cause and i was wondering you know again possibly if you looked on a cynical point of view some brands might see you as again like you said an easy way to say oh look we're doing something right but then from a positive view they actually might see you as a way of like no this is something we can genuinely partner with to make sure that it isn't just a token gesture and i just wanted to ask you how you hold partners to account and what you look for in partners to ally your brand with and some of the the good examples you've had of like working with with particular brands and obviously you can call them out if you if you want to that that have ended in you know positive brand marketing partnerships that added value on both sides for instance so for me the difference between like tokenism or genuine representation is is time and it's because throughout time you'll be able to see like well how much was this one initiative how much has it impacted the organization like in a deeper level or how much have they continued have, have they been consistent with their uh with whatever it is that they're doing so for instance like time has shown us that uh blackout tuesday and everyone who posted their black squares for the vast majority of organizations that was just tokenism that was just like oh everyone's posting it so let me post it too it, it wasn't genuine whereas for some organizations it has is, that was just the start of, of something much bigger so when we're talking to brands who are interested in working with us, like our first question is, OK, so how will this create something long term? What's the investment in, in this? And, and what's your why as well? I mean, fortunately for us, most people who approach us actually have answers to those questions. And so they they will kind of explain, well, you know, as an organization, we've always supported women's issues or issues for the LGBT community. And we realized we weren't doing anything for the black community. Or they may say, you know, it's it, this is really important to us, you know, for, for another reason. And then, for instance, like we've had conversations where they, people have even started talking about like things that they've been doing internally to make sure like their, their black staff are supported, make sure they're able to progress. And so for us, that's like the hallmark of like, OK, this is an organization that actually cares and is keen to put resource and that's I mean obviously money is fantastic but also just like you know time energy into a, a campaign that they either want to run with us or, or any kind of initiative that that we're working on but I've also had conversations with people where I've you know I've asked that question and they've kind of been like oh 
let me come back to you. <laughs> and then I'm, like, I'm not going to chase you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then and the, like, it just goes nowhere. But I think that's, that's the thing for us. It's just like, well, our platform is too important for us to just be used for, oh, you can slap our logo on something and say that you're doing something special, like for Black History Month or something. Yep. And then it's not actually very meaningful. Yeah, it totally flies in the face of what you're trying to do, which is is take things away from a day or a month and make it, a, a like you said, a habit. Talking about sort of causing habits or creating habits, you talked about the taste card there and I thought, you know, t- that's one of the like light bulb moments in, in how you started Jammy. And I think, again, the card itself, particularly when we were doing the Out of Home campaign with you guys, for instance, you know, the, the strategy was pretty simple, but it was, okay, what's the most distinctive asset behind Jammy? Well, the card itself that literally has the logo on it is is literally the thing. Like that is almost the gateway, the key to all of these amazing gifts, all of the, this amazing marketplace that has these um, endless possibilities of new items that you never would have bought on an Amazon or, or elsewhere. Yeah, I wonder if you talk a little bit about the card and how important the card is to the business and, you know, it, it has parallels of like Monzo's card, for instance, when that first came out and, and Taste Card as well. How does it both from like a visual point of view work as a brand asset for you guys, but also, I guess, from a habitual thing, right? Being in someone's wallet consistently, how, how does it, how important is it to you guys? So it is, it's really, really important. I mean, from the jump, actually, because it had never been done before this uh, specific concept, it was like our unique selling point. Like people didn't know our name, but they knew, oh, you're the discount card for black yeah. business or you're, oh, you're the orange thing. Like, yeah. you know, that, that's the, the first two years, like when I'd expl- tell people, oh yeah, I'm Carlia and this is what I do. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, the orange card, you know? Yeah. And so, and I mean, it was a stroke of uh, marketing genius to, to, to do that. I, not, I didn't even realise at the time, like how, <laughs> I don't want to say iconic because we're not like, yeah. that big, but you know, how, how um, important it would become in people identifying who we were and, and being able to connect that with, you know, what we were about and how we were different from different marketplaces or organisations. And so it was a product that from the jump really caught people's imagination, which was obviously really important. But yeah, the reason why it's physical is so it's literally present every time you open your purse, like you'll see it. And and even if you have got it just in one of those little slots, you still see the orange and you know what that represents. And that feeds into, you know, what we're saying about habits, about, you know, every time you're buying something, like you're getting that kind of remind, that physical reminder of supporting black owned businesses and supporting the community and, and putting money where your values are. And it's a similar reason, like we've got like a little, uh, like an editorial catalogue called The Little Black Book, which you send out, which again, it's like that having that physical reminder for people. It's, it's kind of like, um, I used to kind of compare it to like people going to the gym, like people want to go to the gym and then like life takes over and, you know, they're just kind of like, oh, I can't bother. But, you know, when you have your, you've laid your clothes out the day before and so you're much more likely to go. It's like having those, those types of things just become really, really important. Um, and even now, so like in terms of like to the business, the card is like not as significant because we have other things that we've got going on. But I always, always reference it because it is that thing that people know us as. Um, and I think with without that, I think we would have probably, um, I don't think we would have had such a strong point of differentiation. Yeah. Yeah. And a point of distinction as well. Like, again, like you said, just even just allying yourself to a colour, even though there's other mm. brands that own that colour too, it kind of just 
it just sticks out in people's minds and yeah you really do blast that orange uh, everywhere and it is, yeah. it is distinctive um that's a a, a good uh, good note on the gym clothes thing as well i think maybe i've got to start trying that because um, <laughs> i'm definitely one of those people who just sacks it off cool it just also random side note as well can you get it in your apple wallet yet or like digital no. version so I'm, I'm i'm working on that um i don't want to be like oh it's coming soon yeah, right. no i am working on how we can get it in there because i think that would be so epic yeah. um one day hopefully cool so yeah the next question is obviously we're, we're kind of rapidly approaching christmas and the last campaign we worked on with you guys um was your sort of christmas campaign in partnership with clear channel where they gave you free media space and we did the creative and by all accounts that was you know the a decent success I think that over Christmas he had had good sales I believe but feel free to put me on blast on yeah. live on the podcast if not and I guess uh, like you said before I guess one of your biggest kind of like a catch-22 I guess was a somber moment but in in the wake of George Floyd's death and and uh, the resurgence of like the BLM movement that's when you had one of your like you said this kind of surge spending mm. um, and and by all accounts you said after that it kind of leveled out but then Christmas again was this kind of moment of, you know, everyone wants a gift around Christmas. That's just a, a natural, a natural indication. So I was wondering for this Christmas, how you're approaching it and if, if you're excited for it, what you've got planned, if there's anything that you can tell us about, about Christmas. So there's nothing that I can reveal just yet about yeah. Christmas, but I am excited. So as you know, obviously as a platform, we're, we're predominantly gift, gift, gift giving um or kind of self-care type thing because of the types of products that are on there and so Christmas is always like a, a great time for us I think the one thing which like myself I think any small business is just thinking at the moment is cost of living crisis and just thinking about because it, despite I mean it's very clear like from from what we've seen over the last couple of months is that people are still committed to conscious consumerism to value-led spending but people also are struggling and uh you know every time you hear a new news headline there's a, a new oh, mortgages are going up and food prices are going up and things like that and so we actually even did a set like a piece of research which is still kind of ongoing but it's, it's almost finished looking into what the financial crisis is likely to do to black owned businesses and already like we're, we're seeing like it's a backdrop of rising it was rising costs against the backdrop of kind of like black lining sales and and things like that so I think although I'm excited for Christmas because it's always a great time I think also like as a small business like I can't help but just be conscious of you know what is going on for customers and just not wanting to be like buy this and buy that and buy the other yeah when people are also everyone is going through a really hard time well, you might not be thinking this at all, but I think with a lot of clients that we're preparing Christmas campaigns for or talking about and, and with lots of them being purpose led or all of the purpose led ones, actually, it's interesting. We're kind of recommending the strategy of uh, me versus we. So mm. it's very easy to get purpose fatigued um, and it's very mm. easy to when you present these large social issues, like you said, like there's almost you can't even count on your hands how many issues we have thrown at us and, and you, that yeah. you're meant to have a point of view on, but you're also meant to support or help from, you know, Ukraine to Black Lives Matter to the issue around sustainability. Yeah. There, there's there's tons, right? So the, the best strategy that we found, at least, is this idea behind, uh, yeah, me versus we. So what can you how can you communicate to a consumer that making this conscious decision is not only good for the planet and not only good for certain communities, but it's also good for them. It also offers something to them. Yeah. So, for instance, you know, shopping on Jammy, the first and foremost reason that you shop there is because you can get these best kept secret gifts that you couldn't mm. get anywhere else that genuinely at Christmas time make you the best son, daughter, auntie, whatever, mum, dad, etc. Because it's something that you literally 
wouldn't have just found from a quick search on Amazon. Mm -hmm. They're thoughtful presents, they're thoughtful gifts that fly in the face of just like fast, quick consumerism. They're not just like really shit stocking fillers basically mm-hmm. so i think it's interesting and that's with, with some of the some of the brands working with that's what we lead with and then the, the payoff at the end is oh and by the way by buying this gift you're not only getting that that initial feeling of gratitude or, or um smugness for getting somebody a great gift but there's like the added element of i've actually done a really good thing oh and also you know my, part of my money's gone to supporting x cause or x business or whatever that might be and i think that's that's the flip that purpose led brands maybe need to make in their head is like lead lead of what your brand your product is first and foremost at the end of the day people are going to buy that above all else they're not like martyrs to every cause but if you can have as an added bit of juice a real purpose behind your brand and your business that gets people to buy you then that's like the the kicker that's like the killer shot so i don't know if you guys are thinking like that but i i know that you have always in lots of your marketing led with the stories behind these creators yeah. um, and the amazing kind of like best kept secret gifts that they have. So, yeah. You know what? You've answered my challenge question. Oh, great. What, what is your challenge it question? It was literally, it was going to be like, you know, against the backdrop of like a recession. Yeah. How would you recommend, um, basically, how would you recommend that purpose-led businesses approach Christmas and obviously gift giving? And usually it's around, you know, buying lots of presents for people, but obviously like not uh, people don't have as much money. And yeah. so it will be more focused on things like cost and, yeah. and price. So what would you recommend? Yeah, like I've obviously given a little bit of a preamble to it, but I think, it, and it's interesting actually, you're seeing lots of the supermarkets do all of their cost of living crisis ads at the moment, which are, for them, it's, it's like Sainsbury's, Tesco's, et cetera. They've always battled on price, right? But at the moment, they're really battling on value for price. So showing how you can still get the same best ingredients. I think there's like Sainsbury's have a, a pretty good one at the moment where it's like, Shopping with Sainsbury's is a no-brainer because not only can you get the best loaf of bread, but it's at a price that you can really afford and, and pretty much shoving that price down people's throat, mm-hmm. which, which is great. And you'll start to see all of those bigger supermarkets do something quite similar. And I think they're leading the way because that is really where people feel the hurt the most, right? In your weekly shop. And it's yeah. where you can really see the prices going up day by day. Mm-hmm. Christmas is a different story because it's one time of the year when we do gifting. But I think the same logic still applies. It's not only showing that these gifts are cost effective but it's showing that these gifts are the most valuable thing you can buy so instead of and my mum's really guilty of this and I, I feel like I've been doing the soundbite a lot so sorry mum if, <laughs> if you hear me riffing on you a lot for this but she'll say oh this Christmas we're all just going to get each other one gift you know and me and my dad are like yeah that sounds good like, we don't need anything more than that just get everyone one decent gift and then obviously lo and behold Christmas comes and there's a load of like random little <laughs> gifts under the thing she's like oh I couldn't help myself like, she, she just wanted to seem like you know she'd gotten the most things you know it's boxers and like yeah. and Lynx Africa and like that sort yeah, of stuff yeah. so I think that the, the way that I would play it at least is, is almost like playing off of that idea of like you know you you, you say that you, you don't want to be consumerist but people just fall into that trap around Christmas look shop with jammy it doesn't mean that you need to buy all of your gifts on jammy but you can buy the gift on jammy like the the one best gift that people want to yeah. buy um, and the reason why it is the one best gift is because of the stories behind it because of the fact it's this best kept secret because it's the thing that you can't just buy on like a shelf at the front of Urban Outfitters or whatever mm-hmm. it is that usually, you know, fills up stockings and, and fills up the tree. Yeah. And I think that's kind of, that's, that's the positioning that I, I would take on it. It's, it's, it's about buying less, but buying more valuably. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's, that's what Christmas always should have been about really. Yeah. Both from, you know, cost of living crisis perspective, sustainability perspective, 
you know, the list kind of goes on. Yeah, Christmas is one of those weird times where we just completely lose our minds and do do stuff that we never usually would, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like put trees in our houses. Um, (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of how I'd uh, answer that challenge. Thanks for that. That's a good, that's, yeah. Almost like we planned it. Um, <laughs> cool. So I guess, yeah, heading sort of towards the end of the podcast, I'd really like to just cover off what you're most excited for in the, in the next year, in the next quarter, but also the next year. Um, again, you don't have to reveal any of your plans, but what is the, the thing that you're sort of most, most excited um, for with the business? So what I'm most excited for right now is, so throughout the month of October, we're actually doing collaboration with made.com, the furniture company. And basically we're taking over like a part of their showroom in Tottenham Court Road to highlight uh, black makers, especially in the homeware space. And so that as we speak, they're painting it orange. Anytime anything goes orange, I just get really, really excited. Like when I saw the designs, I was like, it's orange. And I'm really, really excited about that. And like, I think... It's quite symbolic for me. So first of all, they reached out to us, which is like, it's huge. Like this big Mm. uh, company reaching out to us. And when we jumped on the call, everyone said, I'm the global head of such and such. I'm the global head. I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. And obviously it's in Tottenham Court Road, which is just an insane location. Like it's, that's the home of shopping, literally Mm. that area, which is phenomenal. And to have a space that we are kind of amplifying black makers in like that is is just incredible so i'm really really excited for that it's it's, it's literally live from the first until the 31st of october and we're going to be doing a couple of events um so that's the that's the main thing that's kind of getting me all revved at the moment right. um but we also have a couple of initiatives that we're hoping to launch in 2023 i can't really speak that much about because i hate i never uh, count my eggs before they've hatched it's um, a good it's a good match to have yeah. and don't worry there's always another slot on on the small <laughs> podcast for you um, but it's just, it's around kind of obviously that everything that's going on at the moment in terms of like the financial crisis and just working out what can Jammy do as a, a platform that supports black owned businesses, but also a platform that is quite, you know, we're not rigid in what we do. We're rigid in why we do it. And so that's why we've been able to go from, oh, discount cards, marketplace to pop-ups and stuff, because it's like, it's about the aim. It's about the impact we're trying to make rather than exactly how we go about it. And so we've got a few initiatives lined up to basically just continue to support uh, black makers, but in a, a, a slightly different way, in an exciting way. Um, yeah. Brilliant. We'll, we'll look out for that. And then, yeah, the final question um, is just who should we have on next? And preferably a brand owner that you know and love, maybe one of the brands that you guys have partnered and worked with, or just a brand that is on the platform, whatever. So I would say Sherelle, who runs Kitchenoir, because I just, I find her so funny, like the, her greetings. So she does greetings cards and stationery, Black British inspired greetings cards and stationery. And it's so witty that every time I see the card, I just, I buy the cards for no reason. I have no one to give them to, but they are just so good and her story is just amazing as well like she started up when back when there was barely any cards with with black representation on it and now she's in tesco she's in paper chase she's in uh, she's on Moonpig, and and she's everywhere and i think she's just a great representation of black owned businesses kind of starting from very humble beginnings and just exploding into like across the uk yeah brilliant i've also actually bought one of her cards previously as well so there. I'm a believer. Oh, I love that. Cool, Cardi. Thanks for coming on. Thank um, you so much for all, all the best for Jamie. I know we're going to keep in touch. Yeah, looking forward to, to working together in the future. And yeah, thank you. Thank you. I've been Dan. 
If you like the podcast, please share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or even just to a mate. If you or anyone you know runs a brand that you think would be perfect for Small Talk, then get them to hit us up on hello at smallworld.marketing. We're Small World, and this was Small Talk. Small Talk.